want to start something in the month of March and uh, the month of February, wherever we are, <laughs> February, uh, talking about the love of Christ, the love of God. I'm going to get it in a minute here. The love of the Lord. In fact, it reminded me of a good story, a young man, and uh, he came to his girlfriend one day, and uh, she said, uh, honey, I've got some bad news. He said, well, what's that? And she said, well, I'm sorry, but I've got to break up with you. He said, uh, well, what for? And he, she said, well, just the thing is that you're, you're kind of a loser. <laughs> and uh, you've got no job. Uh, you're always broke. And uh, just, I need somebody better. You know, maybe some of you have had someone say that to you. But he said, uh, well, fine then. That's fine with me. Well, about six months goes by, and uh, he gets a letter in the mail. And uh, it's an endearing letter, and it's from her. It says, Dear Joe Blow, whatever. I am so sorry for the way I treated you, and uh, you are the greatest man I've ever met. I realize now that you are all that I need. I made a huge mistake. Would you please forgive me and take me back? She signs it, her name, and then says at the bottom, P.S., congratulations on winning the state lottery. <laughs> so uh, that's a little shallow, isn't it? But what would you do if you won the lottery? Don't answer that. Okay, Deuteronomy 7. What love is this? I titled it this morning. There's a love out there that we find that God gives to us on a daily basis, but we're also going to look at that love He bestowed upon us from the beginning of time. Okay, go down to verse 7, Deuteronomy 7, verse 7. Notice what He says. The Lord did not set His love upon you, nor choose you, because you were more in number than any people. For what? You were the fewest of all people. Let me just remind you, God does His best work, this is a biblical principle, with the small people, okay, with the people that don't have much. So that's what people use as an excuse all the time. Well, I'm not talented, I don't have much, I don't have any money, we don't have a lot of things. That's who God uses, remember that, okay? Verse 8, but because the Lord loved you, and because He would keep the oath which He had sworn unto your fathers, hath the Lord brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you out of the house of bondmen from the hand of Pharaoh king of Egypt. Know therefore that the Lord thy God, He is God, the faithful God, which keepeth covenant and mercy with them that love Him, and keep His commandments to a thousand generations. Now, we're going to look at this this morning. The love that God has bestowed upon us. What love is this? What love is this? Have you ever been in a situation before where you felt very clearly that there was no love. <laughs> Where's the love? Uh, one famous uh, musician put it one time, he said, "What well, the thrill is gone. The thrill is gone. We go through life and realize very quickly that love, the word love, can be used very shallowly. We can throw it around here and throw it around there and never even think about it and think about what the true meaning is. Now let me again clarify for you, the world's definition of love is the physical act. Anytime they sing about L-O-V-E, L is for the way you look at me, they're talking about what? The physical part of it, usually. That's not love. When we talk about love, the Bible defines love. We, we don't have time this morning to get into it. The love that's spoken of is in particular defined for us in 1 Corinthians 13. And he uses a different word. He used the word charity for a reason. For a reason. Because when we look at what the Bible has to say about love, we're going to find that it's clearly different and definingly different 
than what the world puts out there. Now, many people I've uh, tried to help uh, as best I can and counseled many people uh, over the years now that have major struggles now as an adult because they never received proper love as a child. They were never appreciated. They were never told they're good enough, right? They were never told that they were wanted. Now, what's happening? We have a whole generation a day that's grown up with that kind of garbage, and now they don't know how to give that love back out. Now, I want to bring you back home here and remind you that it doesn't take some human being, they call you father, or they may call you mother, or you may call them father or mother. You don't need to wait on them to tell you they love you, okay? You know this, and I know you do. You have a heavenly father, the creator God, not a God, the God, that loves you unconditionally. And I love that word, unconditional. Now, every parent should love a child unconditionally. There are some kids that you scratch your head and go, something's wrong with this kid, right? <laughs> I love you, but whew, I don't really like you right now, right? I mean, you, something, you are just ornery. Now, thank God that I wasn't that way. And uh, just kidding, my, I have witnesses here. Brother, oh, Gail, I grew up with Brother Gail, and he knows that. Okay, but we think about now the love that we ought to have. Now, let me get into this first of all. There is this called in the Scripture, it's called the non-initiated love. This is what God gives us. Non-initiated, meaning you and I did nothing to initiate the love that God gave to us, did we? I mean, in life in general, right, with relationships, what do we do? If you love me, I'll love you. If you go out and give me, I'll be nice to you. If you pat my back, I'll pat your back, right? I mean, you, you fellas and ladies that work in the business world, you know it's a dog-eat-dog world, ain't it? Your coworker sits next to you all day, and he may be a nice guy, but you know at the end of the day, if it came down to a $50 bill, he's going to throw you under the bus, right? I mean, that's how it works. This love that's spoken of that God speaks to the nation of Israel about. Now remember this, he says, I did not set my love upon you because you were the best group of people. I didn't set my love upon Faithway Church because you're a phenomenal church. We're a growing church. I mean, we've got, we really are trying to work at it, getting more people in, building, fixing some of this stuff that we're doing, trying to improve the building, doing these things, reaching folks, trying to get people at the heart of it, reaching people where they are, all of that. But we know this, that God isn't going to bless our church because of the ornate building, right? He's not going to bless our church because this and that. He's going to bless it because we seek Him and we say, God, in essence, Lord, thank you for loving us. So it's an, a non-initiated love. I love this throughout the scriptures. Jesus comes to the disciples in the New Testament in John chapter 13. In fact, uh, right over here, if you look, one of our things says, love one another, John 13, 35. We're going to get into that next week. In fact, let's go John 13, 35. Look what Jesus says, because he says this very clearly. And this is something very different. This is radically different than what they were used to. This is radically different from the way that they were taught. Now, notice what it says. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples. If you attend the right church. Oh, wait, no. If you wear the right clothes. No. If you part your hair just right. If you have the right name, the right skin color. If you, no, none of that. What is it? By this shall all men know that ye are mine. You follow me. You know what a disciple is? It's a follower of Christ. It's a student of the word. It's a pupil that sits under the teacher. That's what a disciple is. He's a servant. If you are mine, if you're part of my family, if you're one of mine, 
People see you and say, yep, they're one of the Lord's. Oh, I can tell he's part of so-and-so's family. Oh, I know. I know you're part of him. How? If you have love one toward another. Fascinating. Now, this is, again, radically different from what they're used to. You have love one toward another. Again, notice this. A non-initiated love, meaning you don't wait for them to do something to you first before you extend a hand of mercy or grace or love. Now, that's radically different from what the world taught. If you understand, they were under the Roman government at the time, and the Roman government was extremely strict and extremely to the T. They crossed every T, dotted every I. You didn't cross the line. Anybody that transgressed the law, they were punished. And one of the things is you don't just go out and love people. It's a dog-eat-dog world. And he says, by this, that is radically different. Shall all men know that ye are mine? If you go around and extend the hand of grace to others. And let me say this again. This is something I'm still trying to learn and still trying to get, get into my own head and heart. Is that you don't have to wait for people to be nice to you, to be nice to them. You don't have to wait for people to love you in order to extend a hand of love. Now again, defining the word love. Love does not mean a gushy, mushy love where you're putting your arm around people. and you know, That's not love. What's love? According to 1 Corinthians 13, love is what? It suffers long. It bears all things, endures all things. Put up with people that you want to put your hands around in a loving way. <laughs> I want to bless you, my brother, with my hands around your neck. No, I want to be a blessing. No, you, what do you do? You're, you're saying, I want to extend a love to you. Why? Because God first extended a non-initiated love to me. Right? He said, Tim, I see you in your sin. I see you living in a life of sinfulness. And I'm not going to wait for you to clean yourself up. Why? Because I would never do it. Right? We would never do it. Some of you say, well, I never really lived a bad life. I never was involved with anything like that. Good for you. But here's the heart of it. You were born a sinner. You were born a sinner. We were all born sinners. And I talked to one fellow. I said this before. I couldn't believe it when he told me this. He said, I've never sinned. I said, well, no, according to the Bible, you have. Let me show you. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. He didn't understand that. He believed that he was sinless. Now, he was delusional, and I tried to help him, but we understand that there's a love out there that God extended to me that I could not clean myself up. In fact, according to Isaiah 64 and verse 6, it says that my righteousness is, plural, the things I've done that are right, the things I've done that are good, are in the sight of God, you know the rest of it, as filthy rags. You say, well, that's not very fair. That's not a very fair God. He's not saying that in an unfair way. He's telling us that in our attempt to get right, in our attempt to be righteous and right with Him on a level playing field where He will accept us, He's so holy and so clean and so pure and so righteous. That's who He is. That when we come to try and approach, even our good qualities in His sight, comparable to Him, are as filthy rags. Now, we won't get into what that exactly means because it's very foul and disgusting, that, that word filthy and the, the other word rags, but it's talking about how filthy that is. Now, thinking about, okay, I've heard that before, Brother Tim. I know we're sinners saved by grace. I know I can't do anything good enough, but think about this. Have you ever received a gift before? Somebody just blessed you with a gift? Somebody just came and left the gift on your doorstep or mailed you something? Uh, a while back, I got a, something in the mail from Amazon. And, uh, you know, Amazon, you can put on the package a gift from so-and-so or whatever it is, and you can mail it to someone. And I got it in the mail, and it arrived, and I thought, great. And it was in a big box. Have you ever gotten something from Amazon? It's in a big box, but when you open it up, it's just something small with a bunch of packaging around it. I thought, oh, yeah, oh. open it up. It's just this little thing. <laughs> I thought, nah, nuts. 
But I thought about the gift, and I said, man, thank you. That was a blessing. That was a tremendous blessing. Now, that person did not call me and say, hey, did you get the gift? They didn't call me and say, when you get the gift, make sure you mail me back $36 for the gift. They wouldn't do that, would they? Why? Because it would cancel out the word gift. The word gift defined means what? I bought something out of my own pocket. I worked all week, got a paycheck, took a portion of the paycheck, went and bought a gift for you, and I'm not ex extending a hand and say, okay, now I got the gift for you, now pay me back. That's not a gift, is it? That's called the non-initiated love we're talking about. Now, I want to say this, and I know it's a little cliche, but since Jesus did that for us, we ought to turn around and do it for others, right? Do it for others. So often people don't know I'm a Christian. Why? Well, listen, I can walk around with a suit on. I try my best all the time, everywhere, everywhere I go, I try to give these out. Hey, would you come to our church? I want to invite you to our church. Join us sometime. I can do that all day long. They don't know I'm a Christian, though, until what? I love the unlovable. I extend a hand out to that person or that spouse or that child or somebody, and they say, ah, yeah, Jesus would have done that. <laughs> Jesus would have done that. Now think about this today, this love that we have. Romans 8, if you're still there, let's go over to Romans 8, because I want you to see this as well. Romans 8, chapter... No, 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 let's go to chapter 5 first, and then we're going to go to 8. Let's go to chapter 5, Romans 5, because I want you to see this first before we get over there. Romans 5, verse 6, verse 6, if you're there, notice, For when we were yet without strength, I like this, in due time. Now that phrase, due time, it always means God's timing. Okay, So in due time, God's timing is always perfect. In due time, Christ died for the ungodly. Well, that's us. Notice verse 7. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. What's he saying? It's very rare that someone would die for another person, even a righteous person. Notice, yet peradventure, for a good man, some would even dare to die. And verse 8, you ought to underline it and memorize it. But God, he commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. While we were yet sinners. Now that word commendeth, we've studied it before. It means demonstrated. He demonstrated His love. See, the love God talks about is not just a word love. You have some, somebody tell you they love you, and you know they didn't. I love you, son. I love you, honey. I we'll prove it, right? I mean, I got little kids, and they tell me that all the time. Just, I think it was yesterday. Uh, I said, oh, I love you, honey. Okay, uh, can we go to the store? <laughs> I said, well, for what? I, I really wanted to get this new uh, dress. And uh, I said, well, I just got you one recently, so let's, maybe not this week. Okay, that's fine. That's fine. If you don't want to take me, that's fine. You know, walked away pouting, you know. <laughs> what do they want? Prove it. Prove it. Prove me your love. I want you to show me the love that you talk about. Jesus said this. Listen, it's very rare that somebody would die for somebody else. In fact, it's very rare somebody would die for a righteous person. It's very rare. Now think about this. But he says that God commended or demonstrated his love toward me while I was yet a sinner. He died for me. See that? While I was yet a sinner. So it didn't wait for me to clean myself up, get myself right, do the right things, put on the right clothes, listen to the right music, watch the right things. Did he? No. But God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners. He died for us. He died for us. He reconciled us, he goes on to talk about. He brings us joy. We don't have time to go through all of this, but He brings it all together. He shows us that we can have a relationship with Him. Now, why? Because He's opened the door up, because of what He's done. Don't ever forget, it's Jesus Christ that did the work. 
as they came to the garden in that lonely dark night, if you were there that night, you could walk into that garden and all you would hear were the crickets chirping and you would hear a lowly, lowly whisper back in the trees of one man. He'd be praying, Father, nevertheless, not my but thine be. And he got up and went back to his disciples and found them sleeping. Could you not stay awake for just a little bit? Could you not pray with me? By the way, in your darkest hours, seems people scatter. They don't come together for you. That's when you run to Christ. And he says, could you not but stay with me? And Jesus died all alone, all alone. Every one of his companions, every one of the men that stood up and said with Peter, although all forsake you, Lord, I won't. I'll be the one there. I'll be the one fighting for you, Lord. Uh, be it far from you, Lord, he says, that they should come and do these things to you that you speak of. And he says to him, what? Get thee behind me, Satan. You're not for me. You don't understand what this is about. They all forsook him. Jesus died alone. And my friends, let me say this. If you're going to love the unlovable, if you're going to love people that have hurt you, if you're going to love the people that have spit in your face and walked on your back, it's going to be a very lonely path. But I want to tell you something. When you do it, you'll be identified with Jesus Christ. And that's the point, isn't it? That's the point. I want to identify with Him. I could give two cents what you think. I don't give a hoot what you think. Well, that's probably not the right thing to do. I'm not concerned with what you think. I'm concerned with what Jesus thinks. And do you know if you would start just getting concerned with what Jesus thinks about you and thinks about what you think about and thinks about how you treat your parents and thinks about how you treat your wife and thinks about, she, you don't know how she treats me. How is Jesus treating you? How does Jesus deal with your self? <laughs> oh, friends, again, let me remind you, I'm preaching to myself. That non-initiated love. He says, I didn't choose you because of that. Let me, I got to keep going. The second part I put, I love it, the non-negotiable love. Non-negotiable love. This is the love that he's talking about. It's non-negotiable, meaning you can't negotiate it. Well, Lord, love me a little bit more today, and, but close a, an eye and I'd put a deaf ear towards this when I'm doing this this day. <laughs> Don't look at my sin over here, Lord. It's not that way. You see, God loves us, as I already said, unconditionally. God loves every one of us. Now, again, if you go throughout Scripture, you're going to find this with every, every person in the Bible. God loved these people. In fact, I said this last time, but when the nation of Israel was to approach an opposing city, an enemy city that they were going to overtake, the Bible says that God told Moses to tell the people, and especially Joshua, go to the city and have someone, a herald, they were called, a herald would come out to the city, and he'd lift his voice up, and he would say, Peace unto thee! Peace unto thee! If they would respond with, we'll accept your peace, then he says, befriend them. If they don't, then you're going to have to eradicate them. So these people that come and say, well, God's just a cruel God that destroyed entire nations. No, that's not true. He offered peace to them. Meaning today, an application for the New Testament is God today offers every person peace. Peace. Ephesians chapter 2 says that we were at one time enemies, or at enmity is the word, with God. You were an enemy of a righteous, holy God. And by the way, your arms are too short to box with God. You're not going to win. Too many people think they're going to win. Oh, I'm not listening to what God's going to tell me to do. Sir, you may not get your recourse in this life. There's coming a day when every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. Every human being. You'll pay for what you've done in this life. Now think about this. We can come to Him as enemies, and He says, Peace unto thee. Now how do we respond to that? We say, 
I receive your peace. <laughs> it's not that I work for the salvation. I cannot work my soul to save for that my Lord has done, but now I can work like any slave for the love of God's dear Son. It's not working for my salvation. It's a non-negotiable love. You don't come and negotiate with Christ of how much He'll love you and how less He will. He loves everybody the same. We think of the lowest people. I just read the testimony of a man who was a, a serial killer. He was on death row, and they eventually executed him. But at the end of his life, somebody in prison, sometimes prison is the best place for some of these people. In prison, some guy led him to the Lord, invited him to a Bible study, showed him the way. And one of the things he said was this, could God love me? I murdered umpteen people. Could God love me? And the man showed him Romans 5.8. But God commendeth his love, and that while we were yet sinners, he died for us. Now we can't wrap our minds around that. That's hard to understand. But if God loves the unlovable, we can. We're extending an arm of grace out to the people around us. And throughout the book of Isaiah, I'd encourage you to read it again. Isaiah speaks of this. His hand is extended still. Did you read that? His arm is stretched out still. Meaning what? He's always extended out. God's always there for you. There are prices to pay. There are consequences to pay. Yes, for sin. But let me tell you something. He's always there. God's door to His office never has weight on it. Never has come back later. Never has closed for now. It's always open. No matter the time of day. Uh, last night I woke up, or this morning I woke up about 3 o'clock. You ever do that? <laughs> and I, look, I said, Lord, please let it be morning. And I looked over at the clock. Nope, 3. Ah, some of you were probably working. I don't know, maybe. Oh, I don't like that. And I think, well, and then the thought is next is, what should I do? <laughs> and the Lord so kindly says, have you thought about praying? You know, that might be a good idea. And I thought, well, okay, good idea, pray. I need more prayer. He's always working in my life to try and get me closer to Him. So what? Not for His own benefit. Listen, you don't benefit God anything by being close to Him. You're not benefiting God by being here this morning. You don't help God by reading your Bible every day. You don't help God by sharing the gospel with people. He doesn't need you. He doesn't need me. Who are we? But guess what? He does all of it for us. See, that's for me. And everything He does, if God be for us, who can be against us? This love that we talk about today, it's non-negotiable. Nobody can take it away from you. There's some love in life that can be taken away. Not God's love. Not God's love. Nobody can take it away. Jesus told the people at one point, He said, you know who you should fear? Don't fear the people or the man that can kill you and take away your body. What's He say? Remember? Fear the one that not only has power to take your body to kill you, but has power to cast your soul into hell. That's who you fear. That's God Almighty. We have too much fear of man. We keep, what keeps me back from being what I'm supposed to be is the fear of man. If you have that love from God that no one can take away, that's non-negotiable, you have all power that to go forward and love the unlovable and do what He's called you to do. Let me say thirdly, and we'll wrap it up, it's non-refundable. It's non-refundable. Go with me, if you will, to Romans 8 now. Let's go over there. Romans 8, and let me find out where I'm going to go here. <laughs> Romans 8. <clears throat> Romans 8, verse 31. Let's go there. Verse 31, and we'll bring it home here. Romans 8, verse 31. Of the entire chapter of 8. Again, I encourage you to reread it. But notice what he says, verse 31. What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Let me remind you again, God is for you. God is not against you. God is not always against... Well, you know, everything's going bad for me. Finances, marriage, family, relationship. God is for you. 
Everything he does is for you and for your benefit and for the positive in your life. Remember that. Verse 32, he that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justified. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died. Yea, rather, that is risen again. Who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Notice this. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, sword? As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. There it is. You're a conqueror in this life. Remember that. Okay, if you're a child of God, you're on the winning side. I don't know how to put this without being too pompous or proud, but if you're on God's side, you're one of His children, you're saved today. And by the way, if you're not saved, I would love to take the Bible after the service and show you how to be saved. Be the greatest day of your life. If you're not saved, if those of you in here that are saved, I believe the vast majority of you, to understand that you are a conqueror. You're on the winning side. Okay? And it's not that we hope and pray that at the end of time we'll be on the winning side. Friends, you can turn to the back of this book here and read the end of the story. And what's the end of the story? We win. Amen? We win. Now that ought to stir you up and encourage you in this life to not be so downtrodden and defeated. This world is not my home. I'm just passing through. The heavens are... Blah, 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 blah. I don't know the rest of it. Okay, Right? That's true. We know the end of the story. We win. We're conquerors. But how are we conquerors? Because of His love. If God loves us, and He says so much so that He spared not His own Son, but delivered Him up for us, what will He not give us? Why are we so shallow in our requests and prayers to God? Why? Because we don't know who He is. We've not tapped into the love that God has for us. We've not tapped into the love that He wants to give us. Now, He loves us unconditionally. He'll always love you. But here's the thing. You don't tap into it. Lord, since you love me, I want to what? Love you back. You don't mistreat somebody that you know loves you and that you love. You don't mistreat them. So we come to Christ and say, Lord, I love you because you love me first. First John Chapter 4, verse 19 says, We love Him because what? He first loved us. He initiated the love. He put out for us, here's the love. Well, how do I know you love me, Lord? I've never met Jesus. I've never seen God. How do I know that? And he points to the cross, doesn't he? That old, filthy, rugged cross. We glorify the cross today when we shouldn't, really. It was a filthy instrument of death. That's what it was. Now it's a symbol of Christianity today. We know that. But... We understand that's what he went through. That's what he did. And that's what he was. Now I say this last point and I'll bring it, I'll close. Non-refundable. You can't go back. You can't renege on it. He says, if he spared not his own son. Now, he says, who's going to condemn us? Who's going to separate us? Notice it's always a who. (laughs) Who? It's usually a person. Not always, but usually. Somebody will cause separation. Somebody might cause. And then he gets into detail, not just somebody, but something. Is it tribulation? That's hard times. Is it distress? That's stress in life. We know that. Stressful things. Is it persecution? People against you? Is it famine? Is it having, uh, going without the things you need? So on and so forth. It's non-refundable. He'll never remove his love from you. Now, if the nation of Israel would have followed this, they would have been in a much better state than which they ended up in, wouldn't they? If they would have listened to Deuteronomy 7, they would not have had to gone through the book of Judges. 
The theme of the book of Judges ends in the last phrase or verse, and it says what? Every man did that which was right in their own eyes. Now notice, everyone was doing that which was right, not wrong. They weren't doing wrong, they were doing right, but what? According to the wrong standard. See, that's what the world does today. They're doing what's right, but not according to this book. And I know that maybe the people around you don't see that as a bad thing, but God sees it as a bad thing. Uh, they may not understand that, and that's what I'm trying to get to. And friends, I want to encourage you with this lastly. This love we're talking about, and I hope to talk to uh, about it throughout this month. What love is this? It's a non-negotiable love. It's a non-refundable love. And it's a love that was initiated by God Himself. That's what He did. That's what He did. Oh, I have so much more. I better not. I better wrap it up there. He says, do you love me? Peter says what? Lord, you know I love you. What's Jesus say? Prove it. Feed my sheep. Do you love me? Lord, you know I love you. And Peter started to get irritated, didn't he? Lord, what are you trying to prove to me? What are you trying to prove? Keep asking me that. He says, prove my love. Prove it. Prove your love for me. Later, he would, Jesus gives a very brief uh, prophecy of what he would go through. And he said, you will go through a very difficult season at the end of your life. You'll be persecuted, and then you'll be crucified, or you'll be martyred for my cause. That's exactly what he says. Do you love me? Well, prove it. How do I prove it? I talk about it? No. Lord, I love you. You know I love you. You know I love you. No, prove it. Show me. Demonstrate it. And by the way, be careful, because when you do pray that, the Lord's going to bring somebody right into your path that you can't stand, right? <laughs> oh, Lord, I didn't mean that person. Lord, I didn't mean them. I didn't mean that. Let me say this. Jesus says this by way of closing. In Ephesians chapter 5, Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. And any time in the Bible you find that word, Christ loved something, it happens several times. You ought to love what Christ loves. One of them being the church. You ought to love the church. I say this again. Church is not an option. Church is not optional. Well, I'll go if I feel like it. I'll go if we have time. I'll go if I'm not. No, church is a requirement. People don't get that. Bible reading, Bible study, prayer time. These are requirements. We're going to get into this next week. But the Lord says this. I require of you just several things. To love the Lord, to serve Him, to obey Him. God doesn't ask very much from us, does He? Not very much at all. And I want to encourage you to be faithful in the new year. Be faithful to church. Be faithful in your Bible. Be faithful in prayer. Be faithful in applying the Scripture, how He's spoken to you. Lord, show me the person I should love. I want to love. And I want to give it in a non-initiated way. I want to initiate the love. I don't wait for them to show it to me. Easy to say, hard to do, isn't it? But we can. Why? We're conquerors because of His love for us. Would you stand with me this morning? We'll wrap it up there. I'm so thankful you are here today. I hope something said helped you. We think about these latter days. We need to really show Christ, don't we? We really need to emphasize Christ in our lives. Let them see. Let us reflect God the Holy Spirit in our lives. We'll have a few verses of invitation. If you need to come forward, the altar is always open. If you're not saved today, I'd love to take the Bible, show you how to be saved. But those of you here, would you take some time right where you are and just ask the Lord to help you, however he's spoken to your heart. 